0: You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are wrapping up our series, The Promise Keeper. Um, Today we're not going to speak specifically about a promise in particular, but we're going to talk about one of the things that we say here every week. So every week as you are greeted and the guests are welcomed, um, we, we declare something that we are committed to loving God, growing together, serving, reaching others. And then we also say that we engage people where they are, building faith in Christ right? That's what we say every week. And so today I want to talk about that last phrase, building faith in Christ, because that's what this whole series has been about. It's been about building our faith in God. It's been about building our faith in the promises of of what God has declared to us. And so we know that we can be forgiven. We know that we can overcome temptation. We know that God's presence is accessible to us. And we know that God will complete everything that he had begun. Those are the promises that we've covered throughout this series. Which are important for us as believers because if we're sure of those promises, we will continue to walk. We'll continue to serve. We'll continue to follow, and we will continue to believe who God is and what God has said to us. And so I want you to look at your outline, and, and there's an excerpt from a book that we're going through. Um, we've been going through it for a while in the church. The leaders went through it, um, and I, this I think, my second or third time going through the book, and it is the book Multiply by Francis Chan. And the reason why we're going through this book is because we really want to create a disciple-making culture in this church. So for some of you, you've gone through the book, and you've already been through this, and you may remember this um, from uh, I believe it's chapter 5 or, or 6, one of those two chapters there. But nonetheless, this is very, very important for us to understand as far as the importance of God's Word. And so look at this, this quote here. Something that is often overlooked when studying the Bible is the importance of faith. And so this is talking about reading God's Word with faith. Once again, this goes back to the very nature of the Bible. If the Bible is indeed the the very words of God, then those words carry the same authority and power as God himself. Every promise is backed by a person. The promise is as trustworthy as the person who makes the promise. That's big. When the Bible gives us a command, that command carries all the authority of God. Likewise, when the Bible makes a promise, that promise is as trustworthy as God. And so here's what I want you to think about today. Our security in God's promises must become as sure as the God who promised. Let me say that again. Our security in God's promises must become as sure as the God who promised. And so the goal here as we've gone through this series is to understand some of the promises of God because, again, a lot of times we can believe from our traditional backgrounds. We can believe because there are so many teachers and preachers and things that are being communicated out there. I mean, we live in a day and an age where you can listen to sermon after sermon, message after message, excerpt after excerpt. You can read book after book. In the United States of America, there is a plethora of information when it comes to Christianity and what the Bible says. And the one thing that I know for certain is that there is stuff that is out there that is good, but there is also stuff that is out there that is not so good. And there are some promises that people have held on to and they've thought that God promised that thing and God has got to do that thing and God doesn't do that and it shatters their faith. And so that's why I've gone through the series. And it's not even to say that I've exhaustively covered all of the promises of God, but the one thing that I've done is I've tried to give you what I believe to be the most important promises promises for us to hold on to, to stand firm with as we are following Jesus because every one of those is a promise that you can be assured of. Every one of those is a promise you can be assured of. And the reason why you can be assured of those promises is because of who God is. Because God is faithful. That's been the key word throughout this whole series. Because he's faithful, he'll forgive us. Because he's faithful, he gives you a way of escape. Because he's faithful, you can enter into the presence of God. Because he is faithful, he will finish what he said. It's because he is faithful. And the the thing that I want to talk about today is us having an assurance of the things that God has promised to us and how is it that we go about developing that. And so the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this, say, our faith in Christ must be built in the one who gave us the scriptures. Our faith in Christ must be built in the one who gave us the scripture. Super important here. And so if you, if you, as you look here throughout verse, from verse 10 going all the way down to the beginning of verse 16, the apostle Paul is reminding his, his disciple, his son in the faith, Timothy, of some things. He says, but you, and we're going to read this and let's walk through this together. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. In other words, you have carefully followed my doctrine, you have heard my teaching, you have carefully followed that, not just my teaching, but my manner of life. And so what happens is, and you got to get this, because this becomes so important for us as Christians, if we say we believe God's word, then our our, 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 that's our doctrine, that's our teaching. If I say I believe that God's word says something, then that is going to change my manner of life, is it not? It's going to influence my manner of life. If you believe, you know, Sister Jasmine, she's not here right now, but, you know, I always bust her chops because she is a person who hates pork. She's like, I don't like pork because of the parasites and, you know, and I always, you know, mess around like, yeah, I'm going to have some pork on my pizza and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. She believes something, right? I'm not saying she's right or wrong in that sense, right? Because I don't disbelieve what she says. I'm just willing to go to heaven earlier than her. But anyway, here's the thing. For the, for the, you know, to, to enjoy this pork. The thing is, her belief about pork has changed her manner of life. It's changed the way that she lives. It's changed the way that she feeds her family. It changes the way that she lives, right, her manner of life. And so here's what I'm saying. If we are believers in God's word, if we believe God's promises, then that should change our manner of life. If your life does not look different because of what you believe, there's a problem with your beliefs. You don't really believe it. That's the bottom line. If you think a certain thing is bad for you and you continue to do that, guess what? You really don't believe that. You can say you believe it, and you may have it here, but it's not here in your heart. You don't really believe that. You don't really believe what it is that they say. And so Paul says, you follow my manner of life, my purpose. The word of God changes our purpose, does it not? It changes our desires, right? I've heard of people that have gone, I've heard testimonies of, of pastors and leaders They're in college. One of them was going to school to be an engineer. And in the middle of his whole college career, he, he realized that God wanted him to be a preacher. And what did he end up doing? His purpose changed from him going to school to being an engineer. He wanted to go to school, to enter into ministry. Our faith is changed because of what? Because of the doctrine we believe. Our long-suffering, right? We we begin to go through things. We begin to endure with people with long-suffering because of the teaching of Scripture, because love and perseverance, the persecution. Listen, he gives us a promise here. He said that all of you who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Why? Because if you really believe this word, you're going to live a certain way if you really believe this word you are going to stand for certain things and you are going to stand against other things that's just the bottom line and so you will be persecuted this is just a reality as a result of those things and affliction now listen I'm not going to tell you that's a guarantee you're going to experience affliction but there are going to be some things that are going to be difficult for you and for me because of what because of the doctrine that we believe because of the word of God that we follow, because of the truth that is in the scriptures. And so he says, yes, in all, verse 12, who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. He goes on to say, but evil men and imposters, people who seem like they're believers... This is what he's talking about here. People are going to come in and they're going to be shysters. People are going to come in and they're going to be deceived. And so they're going to be deceiving. And they're going to enter in and you're going to think that they're really godly and they're really not. And he goes on and he says, and these people are going to do what? They will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So not only are they deceiving others, but they are deceived. That's the heart behind their deception. You want to know what the issue is with so many false teachers today? It isn't that they're out of, they're going out of their way to deceive people. It is that they have been been deceived. Are you here? They believe something. They've heard something. They went to that Bible college. They heard those pastors, those preachers, those false teachers before them, and they just regurgitate what they heard rather than studying it for themselves. Listen, I can tell you this hands down. The reason why we are not a Pentecostal church, we're not a Baptist church, the reason why we're not a Presbyterian church is not because I have a problem with Pentecostals or Baptists or Presbyterians. I love them all. I worship with them all. I fellowship with them all. I pray with them all. You know why? It's because I study the scriptures and I couldn't hold to just all Pentecostal belief. I couldn't hold to all Baptist belief. I couldn't hold to all Presbyterian belief because of what? Because the Bible communicates certain truth. It says certain things. And so when I look at the scriptures, I gotta go with what the scriptures say. And I can't be just a Pentecostal because there's gonna be some stuff when I say, man, the Bible doesn't say that. You believe that. You think that. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the scriptures teach. That's not what the scriptures communicate. And so we have to say, hey, are we going to hold on to what the scriptures say and what they believe? And he says this. He says in verse 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. See, while Timothy had many teachers, right? He had a lot of teachers. In First Timothy, Paul commends his grandmother Eunice and mother Lois or vice versa. And he talks about them teaching him the scriptures from the time that he was a child. And so, and so Timothy had a grandmother of faith. He had a mother of faith. And then he had the apostle Paul as a spiritual father, a leader in the faith. And, and you know why Paul says, you know who you have learned from? It's not because he learned from grandma or mom or him, but because while all of those people were teachers, God was the teacher. God was the one who was teaching because it is God's word. It is God's truth. And so when the word of God is being taught to us and we are walking through the scriptures, when someone is communicating the truth to you, God is the one who is behind them, who is speaking through them, who is teaching you and instructing you. And so for us as parents, we realize that as we instruct our children in the things of the Lord, know this, God is using you. That's an awesome reality. Right. And when we're, when we're sitting with our coworkers and our neighbors and we're having conversations about scripture, you need to know God is using you to communicate to that person. And I don't know about you, but I want to be used by the Lord to impact people's lives for their good and for his glory. And this is a reality that we have here. And then Paul goes on to say, and from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which do what? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All of Scripture does what? It's pointing us to Christ. There's stories throughout there. There's history in the word of God for sure. But they are pointing us to Jesus, to his saving work, to the promise of redemption, to his finished work on the cross, and his promise of his return. And so we realize that the gospel is what the, the word of God is pointing us to. And then we come to verse 16 in the, in the, the first part of that verse. And it says, all scripture, say all scripture. All scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Not some of scripture, all of scripture. All of scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's important for us to understand something. God's word is God's words. Are you here? God's word is God's words right we read that in the beginning there right when when, when God communicates something God's word those are God's words God spoke those words right we, we, we have to understand that the Bible is not just a book it's not just a book right I had a, I had an experience a couple of weeks ago I was doing a wedding for uh, for, for someone and in the in the, in the um cocktail hour that was literally an hour you know I love that all right it wasn't it wasn't just a few minutes right it's it's, it's that it's, it's that time that you know that and so you have a lot of time to talk and so I was standing out there my daughter was my date to this particular wedding and so we were standing there and we were having a conversation and it was with someone that was not a believer and I know this person and and um I, I don't have a really good relationship with them but they were talking with Alexis and Alexis was was engaging in the conversation Alexis is being funny Alexis doesn't know this person doesn't know this person is not a believer and so they're talking about school and the conference the topic came up you know know know, about Bible class. And, you know, Alexis, you know, she loves her Bible teacher. Her Bible teacher is a really cool guy. Um, You know, he buys them food all the time, right? They like, that's like a part of their fellowship class. You know, they have that. So she, you know, the obviously kids enjoy that, but she's always, she's had him for two years and she's like, I don't know what he's teaching us. Right. And so she's like, you know, making a joke about that. And so the person comes out and they're like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much you can really study the Bible. Now, my daughter doesn't really know. Like, again, she's laughing because she doesn't know this person. And I'm there, and I'm like, okay, so I'm listening. And she's like, and then she proceeds to say, she's like, well, you know, because I have a friend that they're like in Bible study like three days a week. Like, how much can you study this book? Like, it's only like a 1,000 pages or something like that. And so I'm like, okay. So I know this person, and I'm like, okay, I don't want to crush this person because, I, because you know, I can be a little crushing, right? I can be a, a, a bit confrontational. I can be a bit harsh, right? You know, I've been accused of such things before, you know, once in a while. And just so you know, that's not just like I don't love crushing people. And so, you know, I thought about what I was going to say, and, you know, I try to be gentle. You know, number one, you know, I, I, I'm trying to witness to this person on some level. Um, I know I'm going to have other interactions with this person. And then the other thing is that I, that I just realized this is a woman. I'm not going to and just crush a woman with my words. So, you know, we're in the conversation, and I was like, well, I said, yeah. I said, you know, in the Bible, and and, and the reason I share this story with you is because I feel like afterwards I feel like I failed my daughter because I didn't crush this person. And I feel like I left her, you know, I left her out there like, you know, well, Dad, what are you going to say? And I was like, well, I said, well, look, I said, you know, I said, you're, you're right. I said, the Bible is not a long book. I, you know, I, I said, it's not. And I said, and to be honest with you, I said, the Bible repeats itself a lot. So which they came back with, yeah, you see, it's even shorter. I'm like, uh-huh. And I said, but you know why the Bible repeats itself? I said, because we forget God's goodness. And in and, and the book of Judges, it tells us about a people who rose up, they knew God, and then they did right, and then they rebelled against God because they forgot about him. They went into bondage, and then they did wrong, and then j- judgment came. And I'm like, and so that's why God repeats himself, because we are forgetful. We're forgetful here. Nonetheless, I still feel like I, I failed my daughter. And, and I went back, and I told my daughter, I was like, baby, I'm sorry. She's like, yeah, you left me out there to hang. I'm like, What? So it's nice you let me off the hook, but I want to give you some scriptures because here is why we study the Bible, right? And so you can write these down, you can jot these scriptures down, and I hope that this will help you if you ever have this question. You don't have to crush someone with this, but you need to help somebody understand a few things. And number one is Jesus says this in the book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, when the devil was tempting him to go and turn rocks into bread, he tells him what? He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, men live off of God's word. The apostle Peter in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 2, he says this he says, as newborn babes desire the sincere, the pure milk of God's word, that you may grow thereby. You see, men live by something. There is something that is feeding their soul. Something is feeding your soul. And it listen, it can be entertainment It can be music, but I can guarantee you that whatever is feeding your soul is some type of ideology. Listen, you may be a person that likes certain things you like, you know, whatever, and, and, and those things are feeding your soul. But God's word is the only sufficient source to truly feed the soul of man. And what does the Bible say in the book of Hebrews chapter 4? It tells us this in verses 12 through 13. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And listen to this. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of heart. Of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That is the reason why we study God's word because it nourishes our soul. It is the only book that we don't read. It reads us. Are you here? It is a book that tells us what's really going on inside of our hearts. It is a book that really communicates what is happening here. And so as we read the Word of God, as we're in the Word of God, we understand something. We understand that we are being nourished. Our hearts are being nourished. Our souls are being nourished. We are receiving life. See, what we have to understand is that the Bible isn't, it's more than just 1,189 chapters. You understand that? It's more than that. It's more than just 31,100 in 73 verses. It's more than 807, 361,000 words. It's more than that. Listen, the Bible is more than just 66 books written over a period of roughly um, 2,000 years by 40 different authors who didn't know each other from three different continents who wrote in three different languages and who mostly didn't know each other and whose message never contradicts itself, but always confirms who Jesus is. The Bible is more than that. It, it, th- that's pretty impressive if you think about that in of itself. But it's more than that. It is a divine oracle of God. The word there, all Scripture, is divinely breathed in, is the word theopnoustos. It is a word, theo, it is, it is, it's a compound word in the Greek. It's theo, which is God, and noustos, which is breath. It is divinely breathed in. It is God-breathed. All of Scripture is God-breathed. We have to understand the reason we study God's Word is because this is the very breath of God. It is God breathing into our soul. It is God breathing life. It is God breathing strength. It is God breathing wisdom. Listen, apart from God's word, we are blind. Apart from God's word, we are gullible. Apart from God's word, we 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 are confused and we don't have purpose. Apart from God's word, we are in desperate desperate need of understanding that comes solely through the Scriptures. If we are not in God's word, we are in bondage to sin. Not only that, but we We are headed for the wrath of God for all of eternity apart from God's Word. See, God's Word is light. God's Word is life. God's Word is liberty. God's Word is the place that you and I find absolute truth, and we also find God's faithfulness revealed. See, that is why we study God's Word. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our faith in Christ Christ. is built... As our character is developed by the scriptures. Our faith in Christ is built. We're talking about building faith in Christ. Our faith in Christ is built as our character is developed through the scriptures. And so what does Paul go on to say here in this verse? He says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Say it's profitable. It is profitable for what? It is profitable for these four things. He says, doctrine, reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Four things there. For doctrine, for reproof, right? For, for these things, it, it, is an, it is important for us. It is profitable to us for doctrine, for teaching, right? And so we look at those words, and what does it mean there? It means for us that God's word is there. It's not just there to inform our minds. It's there to transform our hearts, it's there to guide our lives. It's there to direct our steps. God's word is profitable for these things. The first one is doctrine. So what is doctrine? We talked about that earlier. It's simple. God's word is profitable for teaching. You want to know the truth? Go to God's word. Listen, I don't care what science says. I don't care what anybody tells you. I, it doesn't matter. If, if it contradicts God's word, it's not true. Are you here? Are you here? Seriously. If, if they or it contradicts God's word, it's not true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter how many opinions they have, right? And there's people that have opinions about God's word that are incorrect. It doesn't matter. Listen, if it doesn't line up with God's word, God's word is the filter for life. It is the filter for truth. It is the standard for truth. And so when we look at God's word, we understand what? We understand the truth. We can have doctrinal teaching. The second thing he says there is that it is good for what? It is good for reproof. That word reproof can also mean conviction. What God's word does, it doesn't just teach us, it also shows us our errors. It shows us where we are wrong. And in some cases, it's while you are in it, reading it, studying it, hearing it being preached or taught, that your errors are revealed. The way that you're thinking is revealed. Man, that's wrong. That that doesn't align. That's not truth. Whatever the situation, whatever the case is, it comes in that case. It comes there like that where God's word does what It reproves us. Other times it comes through us to one another. Other times it's you and me having a conversation and say, man, this this is, I see this in your life. This is what God's word says. But listen, can I just say something? Because this becomes so important for me. If you and I are going to correct each other, let's not correct each other based on our feelings. Let's correct each other based upon truth. Because you and I, listen, we can feel differently about stuff, right? We can have different opinions about things. That's all good. But the word of God should settle every argument. God's words should be really crystal clear on whatever it is. And if it's a gray area in which you and I just can't agree on, let's just agree to disagree. We love each other. Amen. Are you sinning? No. Am I sinning? No. We're just going to go ahead and agree to disagree on that. Because there's no crystal clear position in Scripture. But when there is crystal clear Scripture, let's talk about that. Because that is what reproves us. That is what corrects us in that sense. That is what shows us what our error is. The next one is Correction. So what's the difference between reproof and correction? So so reproof shows you your error. Correction brings you into alignment. It is what shows you, okay, I'm not just showing you what's wrong. I'm showing you what's right. I'm showing you how to live. I'm bringing you into alignment with truth. I'm bringing you into alignment with what is right. Right. And then he goes on and he says, an instruction, what does instruction mean? Instruction in righteousness. That is training in righteousness. And and here's what I want you to understand. When you look at that word training, what is it talking about? It's talking about the holistic part of man. It's our morals, our values. It's training us in righteousness. From the time of a child all the way up, we should be training our children what the Bible says. And so this word here is saying that God's word is what? It's profitable for our instruction in righteousness. Here's what I want you to understand about this word. When you look at this word, it is not punitive, but it can be painful. Are you here? It's not punishment, it's painful. You know, it's funny because at CrossFit we have this joke, right? Like sometimes we'll do a workout, and when we finish, we're like dead. And then we joke, and we're like, man, we pay for this. That'll sink in later on. We pay for this. Like, we pay for someone to yell at us and for someone to tell us, hey, keep doing that work. Hey, get ready to vomit. Like, we pay for someone to make us, you know, like, we're paying for this. You know, like, it's torture, the point is what I'm trying to make here, right? Like, nobody would sign up for this, and yet we're paying for this, you know? I mean, we're paying in order to go ahead and be what? To be trained in a specific area. It's the same thing with righteousness, to be trained in righteousness is not punitive, but it can be painful. Because when you have to say no to things you want to say yes to, that can be painful. When you have to stop doing certain things you want to do, that can be painful. When you have to start doing things you don't necessarily want to do, like get up early so you can pray. Hello. All right? Like you, you spending that time instead of doing the things you want to do, like those things can be painful, not hanging out in the places you used to hang out. Those things can be painful, not agreeing with the people around you that, you know, they, they have a certain way of belief that can be painful. And so what we realize is that the word of God is instructive for us in righteousness. And so here's the thing. We have to value God's word because if we don't value God's word, we will not spend time in God's word the way that we need to. If we don't value God's word, we won't spend time in God's word the way that we need to. And so I want to give you something, and this to me is the biggest application point for this whole message, and it is this. It is this thing that I've talked about in the past, but I want to talk about it again. For those of you that maybe weren't taking notes that time or don't remember when I talked about it, but it is a thing called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is something that I believe is, some, is super powerful for us being able to grow in our understanding of who God is and what his word says. And so what is Lectio Divina? Well, Lectio Divina, it's an old practice. And I want to give you some warnings on this, but I want you to understand what this is. First of all, it's from the word. It's a Latin word. And it means sacred reading or divine reading. It means a holy reading. And so this was originally practiced by monks. Right? So obviously, this is something that you and I are probably never going to be able to get to the level that they were right? because they are there in monasteries. They don't ever leave. They spend their whole day in, in times of prayer and meditation. Well, what they did was they started reading the Bible, and they started to realize that as they sat down in this meditative place, um, going over the scriptures, phrases would start to pop out to them. Words would start to jump off the page at them, and they started to feel like there was a different level of communication between them and God. They understood that this was God's holy word, but they weren't getting the most out of God's word. And so Lectio Divina became something that was a practice. What I want you to know is that it's not magic. Hello. right? It's not a manipulation of God, right? And so this is the warning. The warning is reading scripture like this, don't start reading into scripture what you want them to mean. That's not the point here. Don't start trying to make scripture say what you want it to say. You're going to keep meditating on it long enough and you're going to keep rehearsing it or whatever until it says what you want to say. No, no, no. You need to take from the text what the text is saying. All right. So one thing that I realize is this, is that Lectio Divina, uh, the four steps of Lectio Divina have also been compared to feasting on God's word. And so there's four steps It is really simple. right? The first one is Lectio, which means to read. The second one is Meditatio, which means to meditate. The third one is Oratio, which means to pray. And the last one is Contemplatio, which that one, it means to apply the scriptures. And so the reason why it's compared to feasting on food is because reading, which would be lectio, is like taking a bite of the food. And then the meditatio is the chewing of the food. And then the oratio is the savoring the food. And the contemplatio is the digesting the food and making it part of your body. And so if you want to get the most out of Scripture, then it's important that you practice these things and that you sit down and that you really seek God and say, okay, Lord, I want to know what your word says and I want your word to change my heart. Because if our minds, if our hearts are going to be changed, listen, it's not going to be enough to just have five minutes like, you know, reading the Bible, running through And, and listen, I have nothing against devotionals. All good, you know, to do devotionals that take you five minutes to read. That's beautiful. But what I want you to know is is that you don't become a matured follower of Jesus with five minutes a day in the Bible. It's just not going to happen. So if you want to be a matured believer, you're going to have to spend a little bit more time with God. You're going to have to spend some time reading the scriptures. You're going to have to spend some time meditating on the scriptures. You're going to have to spend some time praying the scriptures. So what does that all mean? So I think you understand what reading is, right? I think you guys all are good on the reading part. But you read the scripture, and then as you read the scripture, read it again. And whatever jumps out at you, pause on that thing and start to meditate on that thing. Start reading that line and and, and asking God, what do you mean here? What are you you saying here? And and meditate on that. Go over that a little bit. And then start praying the scripture. And so in some cases, you're going to pray with thanksgiving. God, I thank you so much for this promise you've given me. I thank you so much for this truth that you've shown me. And you start to pray that particular scripture, right? Like, you know, the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. How would I pray that scripture? Father God, I thank you because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I pray that in this day that your word would direct my steps. I pray that in this day that you would illuminate my path, that you would show me the right way to go. Lord God, help me to follow your word. Help me to follow the light of truth. See, that's how you would pray those scriptures. And in some cases, man, you're going to be like, God, why is my life like this? I'm reading this, but my life doesn't look like that. In some places, you read the book of Psalms and you see David was upset because he's like, yo, why the wicked doing good? I'm trying to serve you and I'm not. Hello. Sometimes that's praying the scriptures. Where, you're, where you are questioning, you're not questioning in a disrespectful way, you're simply communicating your heart to God. And then after you do that prayer part of it, then it is the next part, which is what? It is the part of the contemplation. It is the application part. It is the part where you make this scripture. You've prayed it, you've read it, you've meditated on it, you've prayed it, and now you're saying, God, how do I apply this? how do i apply this how do i let how do i apply this in this day how do i apply this in this week how do i apply this in this situation that i'm in whether it's kids family work whatever it is you're going through health what finances whatever it is how do i apply these scriptures to my life in this area and then you say and then you make a decision to apply them and that's how we get the most out of god's word the bottom line is this we must learn to feast on god's word if we want to grow in our faith in christ are you here If we want to grow in our faith in Christ, we have to learn to feast on God's word. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, Our built faith in Christ must be be a lived faith in the scriptures. Our built faith in Christ must be a lived faith in the scriptures. You can write the scripture down. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says this. It says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then look at verse 17. Verse 17 says this. That the man of God may be equipped, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete, Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us what? There's good works that were prepared for us to walk in. Listen, I want you to know this. You didn't get saved just so you could feel good about heaven. Are you here? You didn't get saved just so that way you would know you weren't going to hell. That isn't why you just got saved. Maybe that's why you made a decision, but I want you to know this. God did not save you just so that way you could be secure in your salvation. God saved you as well because he has a purpose for your life. And can I tell you something? That purpose is not just for pastors. It's not just for elders or deacons or ministers or leaders that you see up in front or that you see doing things in the church. Purpose is for every believer. Are you here? It's for everyone who was created. God has a specific purpose, and those are called good works. But can I tell you something? If God's word is not shaping you, is not molding you, is not developing you, you and I will not complete the good works God has for us. Because it is while we are in God's word, learning who God is, learning what God's will is in the doctrines of scripture. It is as we are confronted with our errors. It is as we are brought into alignment with truth and trained in righteousness by being in God's word that we are being fitted completely. I love that. We are being fitted completely for every good work. And that is how our faith in Christ is built. Are you here? We are being built up. Knowing that God has a purpose, knowing that God is molding our character, because he wants us to fulfill the purpose that he has for us, and those are his good works. And here's what I say, our trust in the scriptures demonstrates our faith in Christ. We must understand that we can't conjure up faith or will faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. We can and must position ourselves for a stronger faith, but we can't make it happen. I love, this, I love this one phrase that I will never forget, and I have to give credit to um, Sister Vanessa Banos here because she was the one who I heard it, heard her say it. I don't know where she learned it, but um, it, is, it is the phrase, practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent. And so as you rehearse God's word, as you're in God's word, as you're meditating on God's word, you want to know what starts to happen? Your character becomes more like Jesus it be your way of thinking changes that becomes permanent in you. The way that you walk becomes permanent in you. The way that you feel about stuff becomes permanent in you. And it becomes more and more like Jesus because what? Because you are in God's word. And what I want you to know is that you and I have to position ourselves to grow in our faith. We don't grow our faith. You don't grow your faith. But if you don't position yourself, your faith will not grow. If you do not position yourself in God's word, your faith will not grow. And so here's my closing question. Are you putting in the work necessary to become more secure in Christ? This is what this is, our building faith in Christ. It's about being secure in him. Are you putting in the work necessary? Listen, again, I want to reiterate this. You and I, we don't make our faith grow. We, don't, we can't make our security more secure. You know, you can do whatever you want to do, and until you understand the power of who God is coming from him revealing that to you, you're never going to be as secure in him as he wants you to be. But the question is, are you putting in the work? Are you doing what's necessary in order for you to become what God wants you to become, which is more like him? See, here's my challenge for you as we're, as we're wrapping up this, this, this series and as we're coming to the close of this new year. Uh, of this year you know, we only have, you know, 40-some-odd uh, uh, you know, days, you know, until the year is over or something like that. I, you know, I, I didn't count them all, but, you know, it's only, it's only a few left. But here's, here's my question for you. What are you going to do from here to the end of this year to help your faith grow in Christ? What are you going to do? Are you going to position yourself? You're going to wait for a new year's resolution Here, here's here's my challenge for you my challenge for you is today is the 18th right tomorrow's the 19th obviously and so i'm going to challenge you and, I, and i'm going to i'm going to do this i'm going to practice this but i'm going to I, I want to challenge you to practice this lectio divina going through the book of proverbs every day reading the proverb of that day and starting to make this a practice so that way by the by the new year by the new year You will come into this new year and you will have already made this a habit in the way that you read the scriptures. And then in the new year, I'm going to challenge you again because I'm going to be going through the Bible uh, in a year. And this time I'm going to be walking through it. I'm I'm going to to walk through it in in, in the way that it was written, right? And so we're going to walk through that together. If you want to do that, it's going to be great. Um, But here's the thing. I want to challenge you to go on ahead and to start meditating on the scriptures, to start reading the scriptures daily, to start pulling from the scriptures what God is communicating, changing your heart, changing your mind, changing the way that you think, allowing God to mold you into who he is. And so my prayer is that you'll do that and that your life will be changed as a result of you committing to being in God's word. And let me just say this. It's not going to happen five minutes a day. So if you're going to do this, if you're going to make this commitment, you need to commit to at least 30 minutes a day that you're going to be before God's word. And the way that I'm going to do it, you can go ahead and follow it this way if you want. If not, it's, you know, however you decide. But I'm going to make sure that I have a little bit of time to pray before I open up the scriptures, make sure that I surrender my heart, I submit my mind, I yield, I get all the distractions out of the way. And then I'm going to open up that Bible and I'm going to spend those 30 minutes in the book of Proverbs, the proverb of that day. And I'm going to just read through that proverb a couple of times and I'm going to pull something out. I'm going to meditate on that. I'm going to pray that particular thing, whether it's for me, whether it's for my family, however the Holy Spirit leads me. And I'm going to ask God to help me to apply that portion of scripture to my life that day that week and relationships to my life that's my challenge to you hope that you'll take it amen so I'll stand together and let's pray father thank you so very much for my brothers thank you so very much for my sisters and thank you for the privilege that we have to be together and lord I just pray today that you would fill us with grace that you would fill us with a heart That hungers for your truth, a heart that hungers for your righteousness, a heart that is surrendered and yielded unto you, Lord God. We pray in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus that we would dig deep into your word and that your word would dig deep into us that we would be changed by your truth. And I pray that we would end this year on a high note as, as being in the word as we've never been. For those that are already in the scriptures like this, Lord God, I pray that we just continue to grow. For those who have never been in the scriptures like this, may this change their lives and the way that they read and let us learn to feast on your word, God. And as a result, Lord God, let everyone and everything around us see the power of God in operation in us. Lord, we thank you for this, and we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on and give God a hand of praise.